Well, welcome to our broadcast today to the wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are studying the first epistle of Paul to the Corinthians, and we'll be in chapter 14 today, and we'll be talking about the vocal gifts of the Spirit, uh, the um, giving messages in tongues, diversities of tongues, interpretation of tongues, and the gift of prophecy. Amen. But before we begin, let's hear from the psalmist. Notice what he says. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with singing. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God and the great king above all gods. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Well, let's do that right now. Father, we praise you and bless you. We magnify you and glorify you. We thank you, Father, for our Savior, Jesus. We thank you for the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we thank you for the word of God. Lord, your word is perfect. It is truth. And so we ask the Holy Spirit now, come, enlighten us. Because, Father, we know that it is in your light that we see light. Give us light and revelation now concerning this great and wonderful chapter. And Lord, we'll give you the praise, honor, and glory for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, praise God. Like I said, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And there has been a lot of misunderstanding. There's been a lot of erroneous teaching concerning the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues and the gift of prophecy. And really also when it comes to the infilling of the Holy Spirit, uh, there is a latest Pentecostal movement that treats tongues just as another gift, unnecessary, not a prerequisite to the initial evidence that one has been filled with the Holy Spirit. And so what we see in the churches today is a denial of this wonderful great gift. Now, there are those who call themselves cessationists that believe all of the wonderful gifts that we have been uh, teaching and talking about and discussing. All of these gifts passed away with the death of the apostles. But yet we have 2000 years of recorded church history that points to the fact that these gifts are very much alive, very much active in the church today, even up to our very, very uh, present day and hour. As a matter of fact, I have a friend and he goes to Africa and India quite often and he brings back and writes back and, and sends emails and texts back uh, talking about the wonderful things that God is doing, the miracles and the healings and the amount and multitude of salvations. When people see these gifts in operation, uh, they run to Jesus because they are, the gifts are, these signs are uh, to those that are unlearned, to those that, are, that do not understand, uh, to those that never really have heard of Jesus Christ before, that he is alive and he is well, praise God. And of course, I told you about the wonderful ministry of T.L. Osborne and the gifts of the Spirit were in operation, drawing people to salvation in Christ. So these gifts are very, very much um, present and prevalent today as they were in the days of the apostles. Amen. And so chapter 14 
I think Paul is once again uh, attempting to give order to this young church that was zealous for the gifts, but they were misusing the gifts and they were causing chaos within the church. And so Paul is addressing these issues and by no means is he prohibiting the use of these vocal gifts in their church services. So, and of course, you know, we need to understand that chapters 12 through 14 of 1 Corinthians, they form just a continuous flow of Paul's revelation concerning the manifestations of the gift. Now, we have one piece of bread is chapter 12. This other piece of bread is chapter 14. Well, in the middle of these two pieces of bread, uh, there is the rest of the sandwich. It could be peanut butter. It could be jelly, just using a loose example. And once you slap these two pieces of bread together, uh, the, the peanut butter and, the, and the, the jelly, they form a glue which holds the two pieces of bread together. And that's exactly what love is. Love is the glue that holds the exercise of the gifts together. Amen. So 12, 13, and 14, these chapters form a continuous flow. If we will allow the love of God to rule our hearts concerning the exercise of these gifts, it will be to a great, great benefit uh, to the church. Amen. Praise God. All right. Well, let's go ahead and begin. We're in uh, chapter 1 Corinthians chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. Paul says this. He says, follow after charity, follow after love and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. Now, Paul here is talking about the use of the gifts in public assembly, and he's going to primarily be talking about the use of tongues, interpretation of tongues and of prophecy. But notice he says, follow after charity, desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. And what is prophecy? It is a supernatural utterance in a known tongue. Amen. Verse two, for he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit, notice that in the spirit, tongues is not of the brain, it's not of the head, it's in the spirit. Tongues in the spirit speaks, he speaks mysteries. So what are tongues? Well, tongues, if prophecy is a supernatural utterance given by the Holy Spirit and a known tongue, then tongues is a supernatural utterance given by the Holy Spirit and an unknown tongue. In other words, a tongue that is not known by you or by others that are in the congregation. Amen. And so Notice what Paul says, for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God, for no man understandeth him. Notice that for no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaks divine mysteries. So we're talking about the manifestation of the gifts of the spirit. And when Paul says in the spirit, he's talking about the individual's spirit inside These are spiritual gifts, praise God. They come out from the inside of us by the Holy Spirit. Verse 3 says, But he that prophesies speaks unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. Amen. Once again, prophecy is a supernatural utterance in a known tongue. 
But the rules that govern prophecy, that govern all of the vocal gifts, is that the purpose of it is edification, exhortation, and comfort. That's what these simple gifts are meant for in the church. Amen. Now, edification comes from the Greek word okidomio, and what that word means is it means to build up. It means like to build a house. Amen. Praise God. To exhort means to admonish, to encourage, to encourage and to comfort. Well, we know exactly what that means. That means to console, to encourage and to console. Praise God. So the purpose of the vocal gifts is to edify or to build up the church, to encourage the church and to comfort and console the church. Amen. So what's so evil about these vocal gifts? Why is it that in many churches in this in this in this country, amen, these gifts are prohibited? They are directly countermanding what Paul said. Paul said, do not forbid to speak in other tongues. Amen. Now, verse four says, he that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself, but he that prophesies edifies the church. So tongues without interpretation and of course, we'll get into interpretation in a minute. Tongues without interpretation. It's a gift for the individual for him to be edified. Prophecy is a gift for the church to be edified. Amen. So when somebody gives a message in tongues, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but when somebody gives a message in tongues, that message needs to be interpreted so that the church can be edified. Verse five says this, but I would that ye all spake with tongues. See, there's there's Paul commendation on tongues. I would that ye all spake with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied. For greater is he that prophesies than he that speaks with tongues, except he interprets that the church may receive edifying. So notice here that tongues with interpretation is equal to prophecy, but prophecy is preferred. Why? because it takes just one gift. Whereas tongues and interpretation requires two gifts to equal prophecy. And I think that's easy enough for us uh, to understand. Amen. So now let's go to uh, verse 6, 6 through 12. Now we're going to talk about the vocal gifts and how that they are to be managed in a decently and in an orderly way. Verse 6. Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine. Notice Paul says, what shall I profit you? What are these gifts for? They're for the church to profit by. Amen. Praise God. So if there's no profiting to the church body, if a message in tongues is not interpreted, how is the congregation going to be able to understand? And if there is no interpretation of the message in tongues, then other gifts are going to have to be employed so that the church can understand and so that the church can be edified. So this is why the interpretation of tongues is important. So what is the interpretation of tongues? Well, it is the interpretation of a message that was given in tongues in a language that everybody can understand so that everybody can be edified. Amen. It's supernatural. Well, why do we need that when we've got prophecy? Well, there are diversities of tongues. Remember, we talked about that over in chapter 12. There are diversities of tongues. They're all supernatural gifts. 
and they're all intended to give to the church a supernatural aspect. Amen. And what is this supernatural aspect for? To call attention. Remember on the day of Pentecost, the 120 were filled and they all began to speak in other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. Well, that was God's calling card to all of those people that were in Jerusalem for the feast. And they all came wanting. They all wanted to know what was going on. They all were mystified and marveled. And that gave Peter the ability to preach that wonderful sermon that got 3,000 of them born again. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. So the supernatural aspect of the ministry uh, and the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit is not only for the profiting of the church, but it is also to call the world to attention. Amen. And I'm telling you, when the church puts on this supernatural aspect, it is going to draw the world. They're going to come. When there is a fire, what does the fire do? Fire draws people. It draws them. Amen. People run to the fire. In the same way, the fire of God and the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit draw those outside of the church to the church. Amen. That's God's calling card. Amen. That is God's calling card to the world to bring them to his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Now, Paul goes on in verse seven and he says, and even things without life giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds how shall it be known what is piped or harped? For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to battle? So likewise you, except you utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For ye shall speak into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaks a barbarian, and he that speaks shall be a barbarian unto me. Even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. So we can just imagine, uh, using our mind's eye, that when the Corinthian church got together, everybody had a message in tongues. And they were given this message in tongues and that message in tongues and people were speaking in tongues. The women were getting up. They were giving messages in tongues. Amen. And there was not interpretation to explain to the church what is going on. And I'm sure there's a lot of uh, uh, messages in tongues that were not uh, really manufactured by the spirit. That was people just doing something. And I've seen that a lot in the church world today. Well, you can imagine how much chaos and confusion was caused in the church. And so Paul wants to give rules governing the use of diverse kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecy. All right. Now, let's go to verse 13 and we'll talk about tongues and interpretation being used for church edification. Wherefore, let him that speaks in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. Amen. This is the rule concerning public use of tongues and interpretation. Notice what he says, verse 14. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth. Notice that. My spirit prayeth. Tongues comes out of the believer's spirit. Doesn't come out of his head. Doesn't come out of his mind. Comes out of his spirit. 
but my understanding is unfruitful. My mind is unfruitful. I'm praying in an unknown tongue. I'm praying by the Spirit. Actually, one, one translation says, My Spirit, by the Holy Spirit within me, prayeth. The gift of the Holy Ghost reigns and resides in our spirit. And a lot of times the Lord will give us a language to speak as the spirit. Notice that in Acts chapter, as the spirit gave them utterance. The utterance will come from the Holy Spirit through our spirit. Amen. That's why this is a spiritual gift, a very valuable gift. Amen. So once again, verse 15, what is it then? I will pray with the spirit. And I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit. And I will sing with the understanding also. Notice that singing and praying in the Spirit, with the Spirit, in tongues, and giving the interpretation is in public assembly so that all can be blessed, so that all can be edified. Amen. And that verse 16. Now, look, look, let's look at this verse. Else when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupies the room of the unlearned say amen at thy giving of thanks, seeing he understands not what you are saying? Now look at verse 17. For you verily give thanks well, but the other is not edified. So here is another diversity of tongues, and that is to give thanks and to give praise Amen. Out of our spirit in unknown tongues with the expectation that those that those songs of praise, that those thanksgivings of praise will be interpreted in a known tongue. Amen. Praise God. That's a wonderful. That is a wonderful gift. Have you ever been in a church service where there was singing in the spirit? Amen. And it started and it just went through the congregation like a wave. Well, things like that, you know, that uh, singing in the Spirit is giving praise and honor and glory to God. And much of the time, we don't need an interpretation because we know that we're blessing God with the Spirit. But oftentimes, there have been interpretations of those songs. I remember a young lady, oh, many, many years ago, she was blessed with these gifts. She would sing in the Spirit, amen, and the blessing of God would go all over the congregation and then she would interpret the song in the spirit. And boy, you talk about being blessed. We were blessed. God was glorified. The church was edified. What a tremendous, tremendous services uh, we enjoyed. And I tell you, we need to have those types of services again. And if you're in a church that experiences this kind of edification through the manifestation of the vocal gifts, then you covet those gifts, amen, and you pray for them to continually be in operation because that's a tremendous blessing, not just uh, to be kept within the four walls of the church, but those that are coming from outside to visit your services, they're going to be tremendously blessed, amen, praise God, and be drawn to Christ, amen, praise God. Verse 18, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. So how often do you think the apostle prayed and spake with other tongues? Well, you know, in all of his epistles, he talks about how much he prays for the churches. And so I just have to have this idea that a lot of his praying would have been in other tongues. 
private devotional, but also tongues in, with interpretation, praying for the churches to grow, to be successful. Amen. Praise God. We, we all should be praying for that, shouldn't we? Shouldn't we be praying for not just our church, but all the churches in the community to be successful, for them to experience revival, for the supernatural aspect that's in the church to be known, <laughs> to be exercised? Oh, glory to God. What a tremendous blessing that would be. But notice Paul says this in verse 19. He says in 18, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than y'all. Yet in the church, I had rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice, I might teach others. That's the key, that by my voice, I might teach others than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue if there is no interpretation. See, that's Paul's idea here. He would rather speak five words with my understanding, in other words, through the gift of prophecy, so that the church would be taught than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue if there's not an interpretation. Now, if Paul spoke 10,000 words in an unknown tongue, he would be tremendously edified and blessed, but it would only be him. All the rest of the church would not be edified. See, that's why prophecy in public assembly is the preferred gift. But tongues, interpretation of tongues is not to be prohibited. And then Paul says in verse 20, Notice he says, Brethren, be not children in understanding, howbeit in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men. In the law it is written, With men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people, and yet for all that will they not hear me, saith the Lord. And then verse 22, Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. Tongues are a sign to unbelievers. Tongues assigned unbelievers. We can go all the way back to Acts chapter 2 to see this particular diversity of tongues in operation. Tongues as assigned to unbelievers that drew those men to understand and to know what was going on. And of course, we've seen this diversity of tongues in operation. It's well documented all throughout church history especially in the last 150 years. Skeptics and mockers come in to congregational service intending to disprove everything that's being done, but yet there's a message in tongues given out without an interpretation, but in a language that only the mocker, only the unbeliever knew, nobody else knew. And the secrets of his heart were made manifest. He knew supernaturally that this was something that was real. Amen. Praise God. Verse 23 says, If therefore the whole church come together into one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that you are mad? Can you imagine what kind of a service that would be? Everybody speaking in other tongues. I remember I was in a Pentecostal service. I guess it was about a year ago. And uh, the preacher was preaching. Of course, you know, he was preaching to get all the crowd, get them all stirred up. Uh, something that I don't necessarily approve of. But anyway, that's what he was doing. And yet people would burst out with other tongues. And it didn't edify the church. It didn't edify me. Matter of fact, it rather shocked me. That's disorder. And see, Paul is talking here about 
tongues in public assembly. If a tongue is given, it needs to be interpreted. If it's not interpreted, then the person that spake in other tongues needs to be quiet. Make much room for prophecy so that all can understand, so that all can be blessed. Amen. Once again, verse 23, If therefore the whole church be come together into one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that you are mad? But if all prophesy, and there come in one that believes not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down in his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. Once again, Paul stating that the preferred gift in public assembly is prophecy. Amen. Now, now look in verse 26. Notice what Paul says. How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you has a psalm, has a doctrine, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two or at the most by three, and that by course, and let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. Once again, Paul is regulating. He's not prohibiting the use of the gifts. He is reg regulating them. Verse 29, let the prophet speak two or three, and let the other judge. If anything be revealed to another that sits by, let the first hold his peace. For ye may all prophesy one by one. Notice that. For ye may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be comforted. So he limits messages and tongues. But he tells the church members, you can all take your turn prophesying. If you've got the gift of prophecy and there's a revelation, something that you that the church needs to know, you just wait your turn. And that's really what he means when he says in the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Just wait your turn. If you have a message from God, then you have the power to wait your turn in order to give it. Now, this, sec this next section has to do with the order of women in public assembly. Now, notice he says in verse 33, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. And then he says in verse 34, Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. But they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. Now notice, Paul says this, let your women keep silence in the churches, not in the church, in the churches. So this letter was addressed to more than just one church. Verse 35 says, and if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. Now, the only thing I have to say here is that there must have been something going on with the women that was causing a lot of confusion. Right along with the misuse of tongues in public assembly. Amen. Uh, there was something going on that Paul had to straighten out. This was a local issue and it did not govern all of the churches throughout Asia and throughout Greece. It had to do with something that was local. Amen. Because if it was universal, then Paul just contradicted himself. Because he said in chapter 11, he gives the woman the right to prophesy and to pray in public. She just has to have her head covered. And so Paul would be mighty fickle if in chapter 11 he tells the woman, you go ahead and pray and prophesy in public. But now 
in chapter 14, he says, but you need to keep silent. Well, how is how is the woman going to do that? How is she going to pray and prophesy in public and at the same time be, uh, keep silent? This has to do with these vocal gifts. Amen. We're, once again, we're talking about the regulation, not the pro prohibition of the vocal gifts. And we know that by verse 36. What? Came the word of God out from you or came it unto you only? There's many people that came into my church when I was passionate and thought that they could do anything they wanted to do. Well, they found out that there's order in this church. There's something there's there's things done decently in order and you have to wait your turn. You can't just come busting in through our doors of the church on Sunday morning and doing whatever you want to do. That's disorder. That's chaos. And what Paul's teaching here is teaching here proper decency and order. Verse 37, if any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord, the commandments of the Lord. So we better pay attention, hadn't we? But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. And then verses 39 and 40, wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy, forbid not to speak with tongues in public assembly, but it's got to be under regulation. Let all things be done decently and in order. And that's the message that Paul is conveying in chapter 14. We don't prohibit the exercise of the gifts of the Spirit. They need to be regulated and we need to make sure that they're done decently in order so that there's not chaos so that all the church can be edified. And those who are sinners are unlearned in the church. Amen. That the gifts will work on that person's heart and bring them to repentance. Amen. See how the Holy Spirit works? We need to follow the Holy Ghost, don't we? We don't need to follow ourselves. We need to follow the Holy Ghost. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for your goodness and for your mercy. Now, Lord, we just as an act of faith, we covet these gifts. We pray for the use of these gifts, for these gifts to be edified in our church services and to be manifested in our church services so that, Lord, we can be built up. And so that we can recover the supernatural aspect that you have given the church to be a witness in this world. And we thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rb. TC86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said, it is the Spirit who gives life.